took the cover off the pig and here's this beautiful roasted pig and her uncle went up and inspected the pig and leaned down and looked the pig right in the eye and then bit the snout of the pig oh off and ate God. the snout. <laughs> and half the people just were ready to gag and were revolted by it. And I thought, this is the greatest family I'd ever seen in my life. I want to be a part of it. I so. love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Arjun, and welcome to the third episode of My First Sale, the podcast where I take you under the hood to see what all you need to do to start your own e-commerce business. We're going to hear from people who are right in the thick of it, and I'm honored to welcome my third guest to the show, Ray Palermo. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Really appreciate the opportunity to always to talk about entrepreneurship. <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. It's always a pleasure whenever we get to talk. Yeah. So, um, I guess just to give you an idea, the basic thought is that I found that a lot of times when people are interested in starting businesses, they don't know where to start. And kind of the best thing that they can hear is from people who have just started and who have sort of like gone the first few steps in building their business. Not too, too far, like not hearing from people who are billionaires or people who have built huge, huge companies, because I think a lot of times those people may not have the same context for the beginning of the process, but hearing people who have done a lot of those first steps and um, that was kind of the impetus for starting this podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. It is, you know, over the course of um, quite a number of years, I've started a number of businesses and each of them started in a little bit different way. The last one that we've started, started as a long, long, long time hobby and <laughs> um, and something that I'm very passionate about and that's cooking and food and particularly outdoor cooking. And it started with a particular problem. If I solved the problem, it was not about making money, it was about just solving the problem. It turned out that after I solved the problem and um, made a couple of these grills for my um, friends and family that uh, I saw an economic opportunity and decided <laughs> to start producing them. For sure. And actually, do you mind uh, sort of just giving some context as to what your business is? Uh, my wife and I have uh, produced a charcoal grill that is unusual in that uh, it cooks a little bit differently than anything else that's out there on the market. And we basically test marketed it on Kickstarter and achieve some success on that and move forward from there. That's, so. that's awesome. And what do you call the grill? We call the grill Quad, Q-U-A-D. How'd you come yeah. up with that name? Um, all the other good names were taken. <laughs> 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 no, actually, we were thinking about the egg being an egg-shaped, and this mm -hmm. was square. And we were actually going to call it Cube, and actually Cube was taken. So anyway... Um, it's uh, a totally different product from an aesthetic standpoint than anything that's out there. So. So, so how so? I think, you know, a lot of times people who aren't familiar with grilling may not really understand the differences. And maybe to them it may seem subtle, but as I understand, the difference between what you're building and the difference between any other grill is substantial. It's huge. So tell yes. me a bit more about that. Well, when you're grilling, um, the devices that are out there are essentially ovens. In other words, they're cooking by convection heat. Our grill cooks by conductive heat, in other words, contact with the surface. 
as well as radiant heat, the radiation from the fire, the heat from the fire, as well as conduction, as well as convection heat. Okay. So it cooks with all three cooking methods, as opposed to a single cooking method, which is generally um, convection. Right. And what does that allow you to do with your food? Well, it allows you to grill the food and, and get a nice char on the outside of it, like you see in a very expensive steakhouse. Ah. It allows you to get the charred vegetables, like you see mm. in uh, used used in Middle Eastern food. It allows you to cook the true Italian pizza, the thin crust pizza with the little burned edges and that kind of thing. That's awesome. Would you say that it's primarily for situations where you're building kind of like those almost like higher end type of cuisine? Or what would well, you it's certainly international in flavor. Sure. Um, it, it allows you the flexibility to do many, many different types of, of cuisine. I mean, be it Korean, Southeast Asian, Indian, uh, Middle Eastern, Italian, uh, South American, American, uh, allows you to do uh, all those various cuisines. It started as a paella cooker. I, uh, my wife and I were in a Spanish store and uh, I bought a paella pan and couldn't seem to get it to work on the equipment that I had. God knows I had a lot of equipment. but uh, <laughs> It was originally built as a paella pan to provide that large hot surface to cook a paella. Mm-hmm. When we did that and became successful doing that, uh, it then morphed into, hey, wait a minute, we could use this same cooking surface to cook. If we changed it slightly, we could use it to cook steaks. Right. And then, oh, wait a minute, if we put a dome on top of it, now we can cook Italian pizza. Ah. So it's kind of morphed over the years. And, you know, we were essentially an overnight success that took about six years. <laughs> as, as they all are, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of a sudden now that we're being recognized, everybody's, oh man, I, you, that was quick. You know? <laughs> Hell no, it wasn't. It was a lot of sweat, blood, and tears. <laughs> right. So, um, and the reason that the, that the thing works so well and gets so hot is obviously um, the fire is hotter. And the reason that the fire is hotter is that we aspirate the fire with four venturis, which amplifies the airflow. Okay. So, sort of turbocharges the turbocharges the fire. Right. So, we cook it. Unlike the big green egg, uh, which is low and slow, we're very hot and fast. Okay. So we cook at 900 degrees. They cook at 200 degrees. Wow. So my God, it's a huge difference. A huge difference, I, right? I, how did you? get the knowledge to be able to build something. I mean, I think, you know, from my perspective, I guess my background is in software, right? And that's something that I learned in school. I know that, like, I guess if you're doing some electrical engineering stuff like that, you can learn. I, I just can't even conceive, like, where would I start to build a grill? Well, <laughs> I can ask you the same thing about <laughs> software. Where, where would, Yeah, where would I start to build software? <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I, you, you get it in bits and pieces, yeah. and... You have to have, first of all, you have to have some basic knowledge for it. I mean, if I threw a project sure. in, in front of you that said, hey, build a grill, you'd probably, you know, not have a framework, you know, any previous experience in order to help you do that. I had a lot of previous experience in cooking. I was in the restaurant business and that type of thing. So it wasn't a stretch for me. But I think that one of the characteristics that I think any entrepreneur needs to have and is curiosity. You have to be curious about what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Hey, can, 
why does this work this way? How does it work this way? Could it work better? You have to be curious about what you're doing. And then you have to have some sort of drive to go out there and get the intelligence on it. Yeah. You know, and and I would like to tell you that that you know I have a degree in physics or you know uh, thermodynamic engineering or whatever, and I don't. I just went on YouTube and started <laughs> and started researching. Oh it my God! Went to Wikipedia. Yeah. And, you know, and if you it, all the information is right there at our fingertips nowadays. Yeah. We don't have to you know have to have a degree from Georgia Tech or or anywhere else in order to to do something. All we have to do is be curious and be able to read, you know. Yeah. That's all we have to do. I mean, it's, the information is there. But if you have no curiosity about, you know, I have a tremendous curiosity about where food comes from, how it's cooked and prepared and all that kind of stuff, which led me to build the grill. But if you have no curiosity about that meal that's sitting in front of you whatsoever, other than shoving it in your face, then there's you'll not build a grill. Fair enough. You know, and same way with software. You know, <laughs> That's I have no curiosity about <laughs> software and how it works. I just use it. Yeah. So, is that something that you kind of noticed while you were growing up, even or even when you were as young as like a little kid, that when you were eating this food, you were always wondering how it was being cooked, like what kinds of materials were being used to create it. Is that something that you just felt your whole life? Yes, exactly. I, and it's you know I can. I can remember, I grew up in an Italian household, and, and when I say Italian, I mean from Italy Italian, right. and, and, and uh, I mean where we literally killed the animal before we ate it, okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, there was always a curiosity, uh, or at least an awareness anyway, <laughs> of, of what was going on in, right. the, in the food chain and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, I mean we grew vegetables, and fast forward to when I met my wife, I met my wife in college and she invited me to a family function. They were baptizing her niece. And in the Italian culture, it's a really big deal. And there was probably a couple hundred people there and they had roasted a pig and took the cover off the pig and here's this beautiful roasted pig. And her uncle went up and inspected the pig and leaned down and looked the pig right in the eye. And then bit the snout of the pig off and ate the snout. (laughs) And half the people just were ready to gag and were revolted by it. And I thought, this is the greatest family I'd ever seen in my life. I want to be a part of it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. And you said that you've had a lot of experience in the restaurant industry and... You know, I'm imagining not all of that was in the building equipment for restaurants. So, like, what other stuff were you doing? And I was a, uh, I originally started in operations. Basically, I, I, you know, worked probably every job that you can imagine in the kitchen as well as in the front of the house, and and then into management and, and owning restaurants. And from there, I went into the building of restaurants and um, built a, a bunch of restaurants, but. You know, I never made restaurant equipment at all. I, I ran across a word the other day, and I, and I looked it up. I was on my iPad, and I looked it up because I'd seen it before, didn't know the meaning. It was heuristic, and I think I'm a heuristic engineer, <laughs> <laughs> trial and error engineer. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so. Everybody's so afraid of failure mm-hmm. that you know that they don't try. Right, and, and that's the big thing. I, I think that. 
you know, I spoke earlier of the couple of characteristics that make for a successful entrepreneur. One is is the curiosity. The other is a fear of failure, a, a lack of fear of failure. Yeah. Uh, everybody is stopped by, oh my gosh, I'll never be successful at that. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, for my family maybe, I've never feared failure. And, <laughs> and I failed a number of times, but again, it... it it's just who I am. Yeah. You know, I'd rather have failed than not to have tried at all. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. actually, now that you bring that up to talk about your family, but you mentioned that this is the business that you're working on with your wife. Is that correct? Right? That's right. And right now, the two of you are sort of like the, the people in charge of this business. Is that correct? That's correct. What is that like working with your wife? Well, it was, it was um, the first time we did it, almost resulted in a divorce and then then we stopped doing it for about 10 years and then we got back together again and started doing it again yeah she went to teaching and uh, I'm you know I I stayed in the restaurant business but um, and then um, we we've been working together for so long now I don't know what it's like not to work (laughs) (laughs) but it it it's um it's very nice and in, in, in a lot of respects it's very hard in other respects sure. in that you're always at work right you're never not at work right and my wife has always been very uh, conservative and administratively oriented and I'm just the opposite <laughs> and uh, so you know we get into some brouhaha's but you know the good news about working with your wife is that you get the unadulterated truth. No, yeah. no one's trying to kiss up to you or anything. Yeah. And the one thing that I think is extremely important when when you're uh, starting out particularly is to be partnered with someone, whether it's your wife or, or business partner, that can stand right there and look you in the eye and tell you the truth regardless of the consequences. Absolutely. Yeah, because if you don't have good information and somebody's just you know kissing up to you that isn't gonna that is not gonna be good for the business at all yeah I totally agree I think yeah it's interesting out of the couple of people that we've interviewed so far for this podcast two of them have actually been like they're their co-founder and their business has been a family member and that's something that they always bring up is just the idea that it's so important to be able to have that candor with your co-founder and to be able to discuss anything because if you don't discuss it now, you're going to have to discuss it eventually, right? right. And like being able to get that stuff out in the open and out of the way as quickly as possible right. really helps resolve a lot of things. And it's, it's interesting to think about that in the lens of a family member. Yeah, And it's, it's festering. Yeah. Uh, if you do, it just sits there and festers yeah. if you do not. And, and it isn't going to get better. And yeah. it isn't going to go away. Yeah. You know? So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing that I really like hearing about, and I think something that actually the the Shopify CEO, Toby Lutke, talks about a lot is uh, an entrepreneur's first sale in their Mm -hmm. business and sort of how that changes the dynamic of the business, how Mm -hmm. that sort of helps chart a course for where you think the business will go. A lot of times people will be working on one problem and then once they actually make a sale, they realize that's where the actual opportunity is. Do, do you remember your first sale with this and sort of... Well, the first sale would have definitely been the, the Kickstarter thing. Okay. Okay. And, and 
I don't know if you've done a Kickstarter or been around anybody that did a Kickstarter, but when it when it happens, it you know it sends you an email when you get a sale, mm-hmm. and, and of course, you know the when we first started it off, it you know to hear those dings three or four or five six times a day was pretty pretty outstanding. I'm I mean, sure <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was exciting, and then. After the Kickstarter was over and the reality set in of how am I going to make 250 of these things when I've got zero <laughs> made and I promised them in two months, and <laughs> th- that was that was horrible. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, yeah, there's a it, um, it it feels unbelievably good when someone takes one of your something that you've made and says. Hey, I'm going to pay you something for this, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, I seriously. Mean, I'm, I, you know, I am impressed enough with this that I am going to pay you for it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, to me. That's uh, so. Did you did you talk to any of those people? The people who had bought on Kickstarter, the original Kickstarter. Yeah. Yes. Matter of fact, I've got a I've got a text message from one just came in about three or four days ago. I got to I got to share it with you. No way. It, he was the first person that bought from me on Kickstarter. Um, that was not somebody that I directly knew, okay? right. that right. I hadn't solicited. Okay? Right. And he says, it's impossible to state what a game changer the original quad cooker was. Perfect medium rare steaks with a thick char, enough heat for pro- proper stir fry, magical grilled vegetables. It instantly became my indispensable tool as my Weber rusted away. After a half a dozen uses, I'm convinced the new one's improved in every way. It looks better and cooks better. It's lighter and will wear better. The results have been every bit as consistent, maybe even a bit more, thanks to a better lid design. Yeah, so it, those, I mean, that's what we live for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that is absolutely what we live for. Seriously. And, you know, we have a, a very prominent chef here in town that has one in his restaurant, and, you know, that, again, is is just affirmation. You are, know, you, so. are you at liberty to say who it is? Sure, it's Kevin Gillespie at the gun show. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Shout out if anybody has not checked that place out, they definitely should. <laughs> yeah. So actually that brings up another interesting thought is when you're looking at the people who are interested in doing this, <clears throat> obviously, you know, some of them, I think like the person you mentioned, are, you know, personally big grillers, like they host cookouts, barbecue, stuff like that. Right. Um, and then there's also sort of a completely different class of people who are actually owning and operating restaurants. Now, do you see one of those as more of a target market for you or sort of? Oh, the both? consumer, definitely. Okay. Yeah, we're not, it, it's not a, in its present iteration, it's not a, it's not a commercial grill. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think it very easily could be, mm-hmm. but right now it's not, it, it's not. That makes sense. Yeah. So. Who who would you say is the ideal customer? Like what type of person? Um, if I were to choose the ideal customer, um, that customer that just gave that um, testimonial that I read is probably an ideal customer. Mm-hmm. What, what they're about for- experience oriented people? Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. They're not. They're not so much things oriented people. Sure. I mean, they're not. You know, for the most part, probably not interested in driving flashy cars or living yeah. in, you know, super fancy homes, but they're interested in traveling, they're interested in food. Yeah. They've got they've got international taste. I mean, they may watch uh, soccer more than they watch NFL football. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, they may um, uh, 
they're certainly not uncomfortable with ethnic food. You know, <laughs> they just as just as comfortable eating pho as eating a burger. Right. Know, that kind right. Of thing, so. Interesting. Yeah, that's a very specific yeah. profile, I think. But yeah. that does actually happen to have you know a large and actually growing amount of people. I think. Yeah. Over time, it's interesting that you bring that up. That the person should be interested in experiences over things because despite the fact that what you're selling you know is in essence uh, a physical object mm. it like what it brings people is more about the experience right it's an experience it, that exactly you and, and being able to experience that experience without a lot of effort before the podcast began we talked about going to Mexico well, yeah if you had to walk to Mexico you weren't going to go <laughs> <laughs> Mexico is a wonderful experience that's okay. true you know but we need to get there easily right right <laughs> you know so getting to the experiences and, and that's what quad does I love that yeah love that. it lets you get to the experience yeah so that's amazing and I guess you mentioned that there are a lot of different things internationally even that would work well on a quad. What did you say would be like your top three best foods made on a quad? Well, <laughs> mine without a doubt is steak. I mean, I, I, I've always loved steak, still love steak, <laughs> even though it's come in and out of, of fashion so, you know, so many times. Yeah. I, I, I'm a steak person. And it does a steak as well as you'll ever do a steak anywhere anytime it was originally purchased for a paella okay and it does that magnificently too mm -hmm. because it's uh, the original paellas were cooked over an open fire right and so it's very much a traditional paella yeah um we've done um of course seafood i love you know seafood on it, uh, scallops. I love seared scallops, seared yeah. tuna, um, shrimp. Um, we've cooked bulgogi beef on it. It wow. turns out very well too. So I think something that pretty much every small business owner has felt and something that I've definitely felt before, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, is like, at some point or another, you know, that either there's a string of bad things that happen or whatever it is, and it just makes you feel like everything's gonna crash and burn. Um, would you be able to talk about a time that you may have felt like that and sort of how you managed to get out of it and like what your headspace was there? It's probably happened to me you know, hundreds of times, yeah. okay? I mean, you know, over the years. And I don't know if there's any magic bullet to get out of it. It's just, you know, if you're basically an optimistic person, you just you just kind of go through it. If you're not, then maybe you don't get through it. But at the same time, there is a point at which you should say, I just, hey, it ain't working, I need to stop and come back and revisit it or yeah. whatever I and I think that's something that's just peculiar to each person as to when they just can't do it anymore yeah the one thing that I have found to be very important in business is try to not make decisions quickly or irrationally and although it may be the thing to do it right at this moment I always try to put off 
any major decision for days because I may feel differently tomorrow or the day after that or whatever. And there's not, you know, when it does seem very, very dark and there's no other alternatives, maybe it's time to, to stop, you know. And yeah. I have been very guilty of not stopping soon enough. But at the same time, there's been a lot of times when I think I should have stopped and didn't, and it's turned out well. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just kind of muscled through it. With this particular business, we essentially did stop for probably a year, year and a half with it. Mm-hmm. And when I say stop, I mean, we didn't close it or anything. We just stopped being trying to sell or do anything. And right. We sold a few things here and there, but just you know, basically to run out the inventory that we had. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't do anything intentional to keep the business going. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think the most, uh, you know, the, the most important thing you can do is be persistent and stay with it. But yeah. even that has its limits. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, you gotta, I, I, and I don't have any magic like I said, I don't have any magic bullet for it. I really don't. It's just, you know, take a walk. I mean, yeah. You know, just trying to think think things out. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. What would you say inspires you? Who? Or yeah, who what? or what? Yeah. For this particular business yeah. or overall in my life? Maybe both, but start with the, this particular business. Uh, I, I just think it's a love of food and a love of cooking that yeah. inspired me. I mean, you know, it's just something that is has been so much part of my life and 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 I think it's so important to us as part of the animal kingdom I mean, you know there's I mean we we sit down and we enjoy food we spend time it's so such a social thing as well as a necessity of life but uh, you know so that's what inspired me as far as who inspired me um, uh, you know there's it's I, I had the good fortune of of having a parent and a grandparent who everything that I did growing up, I was told I was the best at it. <laughs> you know, and, I mean, they were very, very, very difficult and, uh, and very demanding parents. Right. But at the same time, they heaped praise on me. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, there was always that, you know, you're the best, you're the best. You know, <laughs> so, you know... Um, I have to laugh when, you know, when everybody starts jumping up and down about, oh, we're, you know, we have snowflake kids and all of that kind of stuff. Good. <laughs> <I'm happy. laughs> I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, what would you rather have? Not, you know, you're, I know. You, you know, you're worthless. No. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> of course, you're, you know, I think that's, I think that's a good thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so one thing that I think that scares a lot of people when they consider starting out for business is just like, how am I going to continue to be able to pay rent or how am I going to be able to do all my general living expenses? So, so how do you guys think about that? And uh, like, you know, have you sought funding before? I know you did some crowdfunding through Kickstarter. Like what, what other kinds of stuff have you well, done? Well, the kick, Kickstarter was not was they call it crowdfunding it was crowd expense is what it was <laughs> it wasn't funding at all <laughs> it was one of the poorest business decisions from a financial standpoint that i ever made. <laughs> oh my god 
But in hindsight, it was the best thing that I ever did because right. it got, you know, it got a lot of our product out there. I don't have a quick answer as far as you know. What do you do to stay alive while you're doing that? Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you work a second job? Do you bang out all your credit cards? Do you borrow money from friends and family? Yeah. Yes, to all of the above. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the only way you're going to do it. Yeah. I I will say this that if you're living in your car and not eating, um, you know, three meals a day to start a business, I don't think it's going to be successful. Okay, <laughs> because. I mean, your basic needs do have to be taken care of, whether yeah. it's taken care of by a spouse who's working or whether you're working a second job and starting out very slowly yeah. or that kind of thing. Because, uh, or you have funding enough that, you know, that you can get paid. Right, right. And this crap that you hear from uh, certain venture capitalists, well, you're not taking out any money until I do, <laughs> run from those people because yeah. they're barracuda. Stay the <laughs> hell away from them. I mean, you have to, you know, people have to be paid. People have to be making enough money to, yeah. to live on. Yeah. You know. I think it's hugely important to remember just throughout the whole process that ultimately, like, no matter how quickly things expand or any of that stuff, like, ultimately it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? That's you right. You need to be able Absolutely. to do things that are sustainable, that you're going to actually be able to, That's right. you know, not, like, just drain your life That's while right. doing it yeah. you'll be able to sustain your and, and, and it's you know to use another analogy you, you, you've got a you, you've got a patient here who is on life support who's in the intensive care unit <laughs> with this new business okay yeah. yeah basically you want them to stay alive long enough that they can recover and and, and gain their health back you just don't want to do anything that kills it <laughs> kills the patient I mean, right uh, i mean it's kind of whatever you know, whatever heroic measures you need to take, you take, but just don't kill it. You yeah, know? <laughs> that's it. But I do think that it's critically important that you find enough money, if in fact you don't have any other income coming in, to sustain yourself. And I mean, minimally sustain yourself. I'm not saying that you have to sustain yourself in, you know. At, Two hundred thousand dollars a year or something, but right. you know you'd have to be able to pay your rent and right. eat and that kind of stuff. Because if you can't do that, you can't think. You yeah. can't work. I yeah, mean, you just can't. Yeah. It is. I'll guarantee you it's not going to work under those circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. I think uh, the the one thing that I've sort of been closing out these podcasts with is something along the lines of like a rapid fire round. Okay, I, I'm not familiar with it, but I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> But there's a lot of thing about this about this age that I'm not. Familiar with. It won't be the first thing. All Let's right. go. All right, ready to go. All right, big green egg. Good product. Um, very ancient technology. Um, old uh, in customer and in and in technique. What was the last time you used one? Probably a year ago, maybe. Okay. Paella. Magnificent. It's a it's a fantastic dish. Um, uh, I love it. I love the I love where it came from. I love the fact that it was a peasant dish. Uh, I'm really into peasant food as opposed to well, highbrow highbrow <laughs> food. Um, yeah. I like all things that that 
you know, are kind of earthy and come from the peasants and, you know, been handed down from generation to generation. The paella is particularly appealing to me because it is whatever they throw in the pan. Mm -hmm. There's no specific recipe for it. So yeah. it's whatever they, hap they happen to have at the time. Yeah. And it's cooked over an open fire. So absolutely. Gotta love that. Yeah, yeah. Local versus global manufacturing. Um, I think the practicality of local manufacturing makes it almost prohibitive, mm -hmm. okay, um, to do anymore. The economics just don't work. Yeah. I do think that there is a, a real importance that we understand where things come from, which um, most people do not with regard to anything, yeah. be it their food source or their, or their commercial products that they use. I'd like to see more local manufacturing, but I think that... I think that we're not going to. Yeah, yeah. Microwaves. Um, it's great for transmitting radio signals. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't particularly. Uh, you know, other than heating water, I don't know that that it has any real practical use in my in in the way I cook. Yeah. Uh, my wife, who tries a lot of different cooking methods and everything, she uses it as a, a warming cabinet when she's taking something out of the oven until she's ready to serve. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she only, but she never turns it on. She just puts the food product in there and closes the door. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think that's probably the best use of it. <laughs> um, frozen meals, like lean cuisine. Uh, you mean a prepared meal, frozen? Yeah. I have no, I don't have an opinion on it because I've never eaten one. I, I, I don't know why you would eat one. <laughs> I, I honestly can't remember ever eating one. Fair enough. You know, I, I mean, Fair I know enough. what they are. Yeah, right? yeah. Just, I've never eaten one, no. Uh, food delivery services like DoorDash, Uber Eats, stuff like that. Again, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say that it's a trendy thing that's going to go away. I don't know that it is or isn't. I. I don't like takeout food at all, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. I don't eat in the car. When I was in the restaurant business, I was a proponent of the Chinese concept, which is, and I don't know if you've noticed this about Chinese restaurants, is that oftentimes when you sit down to a meal, you know, one person's meal will come out and then the next person's meal will come out a little bit later. And then, yeah. and the reason for that is, is the minute it comes out of the block, yeah. the yeah. minute it's finished cooking, it needs to be in front of the people. Right. When you're delivering food, that doesn't happen, obviously. Right. And I think that, you know, the seconds that are ticking away from the time that it comes off the grill or out of a wok or out of an oven or wherever till the time that it's in front of you, the, the food quality is going down. Yeah. So, although a lot of foods work with delivery, pizza being one of them, I mean, I don't think it's a, you know, I... I mean, it fills your belly. That's all I can say. <laughs> I don't see how you can enjoy something that comes in a paper, in paper, and then sit down in your house and eat it. At, you know, thirty yeah. minutes after it came off the, yeah, yeah I, it was cooked. I just don't. Yeah, charcoal. I think charcoal is a magnificent way to cook. Uh, there, just it imparts a taste that you're just not going to get from anything else. Mm -hmm. The key here is that you need to be careful with what charcoal that you're using, yeah. okay? Uh, and you need to be careful with what wood you're using if you're going to use wood in, in cooking because 
With charcoal, I've noticed with some of the brands that you'll see what looks like a piece of lumber in there. In other words, it's cut square. Well, they're obviously using recycled wood to make charcoal. Yeah. And then you've got a question. Was there paint on the recycled wood before they made charcoal? Hmm. Was it a piece of pressure-treated wood that's impregnated with, with all kind of chemicals and yeah. everything? So where that wood comes from and, and, and before they made the charcoal is very important. That's number one. Number two is if you're using wood to cook with, yeah. which is a great cooking thing. And as a kid, we used to use a lot of orange wood when I was growing up in Central Florida. Yeah. Because it has a nice sweet taste to it. The, your, your top three cuisines? Well, I think absolutely Italian food would be my favorite, simply because I grew up with sure. it and all of that. Um, good old American food is, <laughs> I like steaks, burgers, hot yeah. dogs. <laughs> I like all of those things. Um, I like Asian food. Um, just now starting to eat a little bit of Indian food, yeah. and, and I like that. I guess that's about it. I, You know, I, I'm very much a meat eater. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Although, that said, I love anything pasta. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess. Uh, and I like, um, I like dried meats a lot also. Yeah. You know, ham, salamis, chorizo, that kind of thing too. What was the last restaurant you had in Atlanta most recently that you went for the first time and you were blown away? Mm. I really like the Kimball House a yeah. lot. I like that a lot. Um, Via Vana, mm -hmm. I like a lot. Um, first time I went in there, I really liked it. And, you know, it's, um, again, peasant food. And, you know, it was, it was delicious. Yeah. I yeah. But those places yeah. are definitely very, very well regarded. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last thing would just be, where do you see quad cooking being in five years? I see it being a major player in the grill business, and I see us being the benchmark for charcoal grilling, and not necessarily charcoal cooking, but charcoal grilling. You know, I like to say, and people kind of smile when I say this, but I honestly believe it, it's the best grill on the planet. I also see us being very heavy in um, uh, video content and recipe content online. Yeah. Uh, I see us... Uh, be in a repository for all things cooked over an open fire. Yeah, uh, I see us uh, being um, a major player in the fuel business on charcoal and wood uh, wood fuel yeah. for grilling. Yeah, awesome. And how should people find you? Um, they can find us at quadcooking.com, quadgrilling.com, quadgrills.com or icookwithfire.com. Wow. Got all the demands. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm very excited to see the future of quad uh, cooking, and I know you guys are going to do great things. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate it, Arjun. We, uh, we look forward to working with you, too. And it's just been, it's been a great journey, and, um, uh, and I'm looking for uh, uh, many, many years to come to Absolutely. us to be together and working together. So Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions, any suggestions, or if you or someone else you know would like to be on the next episode. And if you're thinking about starting a business, what are you waiting for? Do it already.